Welcome back. After a long break, we're back to the Parsha Share. This week, the Share is sponsored by Aaron and Lillian and Jason Fuchs in memory of Lillian's father and Jason's grandfather, Irving Glatter, Yitzchak ben Dovber, whose Yatzeit was on the 29th of Nisan. We are going to look at Parshat Kedoshim, Parshas Kedoshim, and we're going to look at it through the eyes of my grandfather's Sefer. The Sefer is Mikdash Halevi. My grandfather is Rav Yosef Tzvi Dunner. Um, who passed away 16 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh, he was the Rava Bezdin in London. And uh, I have great pride and pleasure in sharing the Divrei Torah from his Sefer, Mikdash Halevi. I'm not sure, I always put a, a link in the, uh, in the various places where I post the share. If you want to obtain your own copy of Mikdash Halevi, you can. I know that it's available in virtual Gula and in various other Svarim stores around the world. And of course, I post uh, a PDF of the pieces that I'm going to be doing in the Shear. So you're welcome to download those and use those um, as a backup for Shabbos if you want to have the actual source uh, for the Divrei Torah that I'm going to share with you today. Kadoshim is an interesting parsha. Kadoshim means holy, uh, and it's in the plural. Kadoshim tiyu. You should be holy. That's the instruction that God gives, gives to the Jewish people. Now, Kadosh, I've spoken about it before. The word Kedusha, Kadosh, is not a word uh, um, that we understand easily in English because we don't have this concept of ritual purity and ritual impurity and the concept of things which are sanctified and unsanctified in our modern day-to-day -day lives. They don't really exist. We know that we revere certain objects, we understand the concept of reverence, but that's a different thing than Kedusha. What is a holy object? You're going to say, okay, a Sefer Torah is holy. Why is it holy? So the word Kodosh actually in Hebrew means separate. It means separate because it's special, because it has been separated, because it is different than everything else, which is why, of course, when you get married, it's an act of Kedushin. You separate, as a husband, the wife, the woman, that you love from every other woman on the planet, you say, um, you become sanctified to me, separated out from everyone else for me. Similarly, Shabbos is a Yom Kodosh, it's a holy day. What does that mean? Why isn't Sunday holy? By the way, you, it could be a holy day. Sunday could do many holy things on a Sunday. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that Shabbos in and of itself is separate as a day from all the other days of the week. So the concept of Kedusha, Kedoshim to you means that you should be holier because you are sanctified. You're somehow separated from all the mundane activities and mundane aspects of the world around you. And that's the instruction that God gave, not to just to the Jewish people, but to all the Jewish people. And that's what we're going to see here in the, in the Divrei Torah that my grandfather shares for Parshas Kedoshim. I don't know how much of it we're going to get through, but as much as we get through, every word is precious, every word is a pearl. Daber al kol adas b'nei Yisrael, speak to all of the congregation of the Jewish people, v'amart and say to them, Kadoshim tihiyu, you should be holy, you should be sanctified, you should be Kadosh. Why? Ki Kadosh ani Hashem elokeichem, because I, the Lord your God, Hashem, am Kadosh. That's what I am. You too should be Kadosh. Says Rashi, Daber al kol adas b'nei Yisrael, melamed shenemra parshazu, Bahakhel Bipnesha Roiv Gufe Toira Teluyin Bo. 
interesting Rashi that seems to be addressing a problem that he doesn't actually raise, which the Mikdash Halevi will, um, will help us understand. But he says that this, uh, this element of Kadoshim Tiyu, this idea of Kadoshim Tiyu, was conveyed to the Jewish people at a moment when everybody was gathered together. Why should that be? Because all of the most important aspects of the Torah are contained in the instructions that follow hereon, and therefore, uh, we, therefore, it was important that everybody got together. Hakel is, of course, uh, the time when the king gathers together all the Jewish people. It's uh, after uh, um, a certain period of time, after the Shemitah has elapsed, and then you have Sukkot, and you, you, uh, the, um, uh, during Sukkot, the king gathers the people together and says, or reads, a portion of the Torah that we have actually in Parshas Vayelech, but there's maybe many other things that were said at the time of Hakel, and this says Rashi, based of course on a medrash, is when the, uh, the concept of Kadoshim Tihu was conveyed to the Jewish people. Lichaira says the Mikdash HaLevi, it would appear, Mavakish Rashi Bidvarav, that Rashi once, with these words, which are of course based, had their foundation in a medrash, Levair Madua Mishtameshes Kan Bavitui Daber El Kol Adas Yisrael. Why is it important, the Medrash wants to understand, to mention the fact that it was all the Jewish people who came together in order to hear this instruction of Kadoshim Tiyu. Somehow this differentiates what happens here in Pashas Kadoshim with all the many other places where instructions were given to the Jewish people. Why? Because Bahem Stam. What does it just say? Daber El Bnei Yisrael. It doesn't say El Kol Adas. Bnei Yisrael, it just says El Bnei Yisrael. So somehow the word Kol and Adas conveys this idea that there's many more people than usual who were listening to this instruction. It wasn't just a gathering of, of the guys and Moshe called together whoever was local and everyone else continued with their workday. Somehow here there was a need for there to be everybody and Rashi, based on the Medrash, wants to explain to us why um, this happened. And the reason it happened that the word kol was used here is because many aspects of the Torah, the most important aspects of the Torah, are contained in the instructions that follow on. And therefore, everybody had to be there. And it was at the moment of hakel when this instruction was given. Now my grandfather does, takes a right turn, a very sharp right turn, and says, actually, that's wonderful. I have another idea, he says. If it wouldn't be for the fact that Rashi quotes this medrash and we have this explanation, I would have suggested another idea. In other words, he wants to offer another suggestion as to why it's specifically with Kadoshim Tihiyu that we see this instruction of Daber El Kol Adas Bnei Yisrael. Why do we need to include everyone in this instruction? The fact is, one might have thought one might very well have thought that this particular instruction, this idea that people need to sanctify themselves is not directed at every single member of Klal Yisrael of the Jewish nation. Do you know who has to be Kodesh? And this, I mean, it makes perfect sense if you think about it. Who are the people one expects to be Kodesh? Holy people. People who are who are elevated in their behavior and everything that they do. And therefore, the instruction here is directed at them. Kadoshim Tiyu, of course, you holy people, you people 
who live in your ivory tower, you must be holy, you must be the representation of holiness in the world. And in fact, we see in many other religions that there's two classes of people, sometimes even more, but there's at least two classes of people. There's the people who are special and then there's the ordinary folk. The people who are special live in monasteries, they separate themselves, they have different rules, different laws. And yes, of course, you're going to say we have Kohanim. Kohanim have to be special because they represent the people in the temple, but they're not considered more special in other ways. So you'll find, for example, that there's uh, other aspects of the Jewish nation, or other elements of the Jewish nation who have got different responsibilities um, in terms of their Jewish behavior. And it's a democracy in that sense, um, because there's people, for example, you've got Yusokar and Zvulun. You've got one tribe who's learning Torah and the other tribe who's supporting those who are learning Torah. In the Sanhedrin, it made do no difference if you're a Kohen or if you weren't a Kohen. It didn't make any difference at all. In fact, we see that, uh, that many of the people who were head of Sanhedrin were not Kohanim. And the people who were part of the Sanhedrin were not Kohanim. So, uh, in fact, we know that Shmai and Avtalion were Geirim. They were converts. We see that Rabbi Akiva was a Balchuva. He was somebody who, for most of the early years of his life, was not close to religious practice or religious behavior. So we see that there's no sense of this idea that you know, there's two classes of people. Yes, there's an element of the Jewish nation called Kohanim who have to represent us in the base of Mikdash and during that period of time have to ensure that they are uncontaminated. They're not Tomei. But Kedusha in and of itself is not confined to Kohanim. Anybody can be a Kodosh. This is something which is democratized ac across the entire Jewish nation. It's a wonderful idea that we don't have this separation of people who are Kodosh and people who aren't. Everybody has to be Kodosh. Kodoshim tiyu, el kol adas Israel. That's the, the message that my grandfather wants to give and he goes into greater detail, into beautiful detail. B'nai Yisrael. Any member of the congregation of Israel can be a Kodesh, can be sanctified, can be elevated in terms of their Kedusha. And this directive is something that is instructed to every single person who belongs to Klal Yisrael, who belongs to the nation of Israel. From the smallest of the small, until the greatest Godol. It makes no difference if you're an ordinary person, you're a person who's has absolutely no connection to, let's say, scholarship or to kahuna, as we've already mentioned, or you could be Reb Chaim Kanievsky, or you could be the Kain Godel. Every single person has the ability to be a Kadosh, has in fact been instructed to be Kadoshim Tihiyu, that they are part of Kola Das Bnei Yisrael. V'kulam metzuvim v'nidrashim lehagiyah Everybody is expected, instructed, commanded, and mandated to elevate themselves and to become what can be considered uh, at the level of Kedusha, Kedoshim Tiyu. And here is where my grandfather comes into his, his, real, his real pep talk, something that we can all take home with us. Because until now, we're talking about something which, I mean, we understand and I've tried to explain, but it's, it's fairly bland, this instruction, Kedoshim Tiyu. It doesn't have real meaning or depth until it's explained. And my grandfather wants to explain to us, wants to help us understand what does it take to be a Kodosh? What do we need to do? We're being instructed to be Kodoshim. What do we need to do? The Kate said, Omnam Yechoilim Anu.
How can we call Echod Meitonu, each and every one of us, how can we reach this Madrego, this elevated level of Kedusha? Teshuvah Ledovar, do you know what the answer is? Nire ki nucha limtzoi bipsukim aboim behem maskira hatoiras hamitzvais. You want to know how to be a Kadosh? You want to know what Kadoshim Tihiyu actually means? Just go ahead, look at the psukim that are the opening psukim of Parshas Kadoshim. You'll know exactly what it means to be a Kadosh. You know, you'll know what it means, Kadoshim Tihiyu. Ish imayv avitirol. Do you know what it means to be a Kadosh? Make sure that you have awe, the necessary awe for your father and for your mother. That's something that's going to make you a Kaddosh. Don't steal. Don't be a criminal. Don't be a liar. Then you'll be a Kaddosh. Really? It sounds strange. You'll see. He's going to get to the point in a moment. Don't be somebody who shares tittle-tattle within the nation. Don't be somebody who's happy to talk ill of others. Just tell tales. That's not an appropriate thing if you want to be a Kaddosh. You shouldn't hate your brother in your heart. You should have the wherewithal so that when you are come across somebody doing something wrong that you can go up to them, tap them on the shoulder and say to them, you know, you just did that not quite right. Let me see if you could do things better because I think you could. Do you want to be a Kaddosh? You've got to be a Hecheach Don't be a vengeful person. Don't be a person who bears a grudge. That's really important. You've got to make sure if you want to be a Kaddosh, you can't be somebody who has any venge, uh, um, any thoughts of revenge in your heart. You can't be somebody who bears a grudge. You should love your friend as you do yourself. The same feelings of warmth and, and tolerance, I should say, that one has for oneself. You know, you're willing to take everything. That's what happens when you love, when you love someone. You're willing to see past their faults. We all love ourselves. We're always willing to see past our own faults. That's the way you should treat others. Make sure you keep Shabbos properly. Comes to Friday afternoon, put everything down, make sure that you do Kabbalah Shabbos, you come home, you make Kiddush, you have the challah, you spend time with your wife, your family, your children, your grandchildren, everybody around you. That's somebody who wants to be a Kaddosh. You should stand up in front of someone who's reached the old age. You should always respect and show deference to the elderly. That's going to mean that you are going to be part of this concept of Kadoshim to you. You shouldn't allow anything that come that you come across to be unjust. If you have the opportunity to uh, create a just situation, you're somebody who's sitting in judgment of others. Make sure that nothing bad comes out of your hands. And so it continues, says the Mikdash HaLevi. And finally, at the end, in summary, it says, This is what you should do. You should do my statutes, my laws, and you should do them properly. I am God. This is the list of things 
the list of directives that you need to follow if you want to fit into this paradigm of Kadoshim Tihiyu. That's what the Torah is teaching us. That is what, and by the way, as we said earlier, it applies to everybody. This is not just some small segment, some sort of small fraction of the Jewish people who have to adhere to these rules, to these laws. Every person is affected by these directives. And if you want to be holy, you want to be a Kadosh, you want to fit into the Kadoshim Tiyu people, this is what you've got to do. Kalaymar. What does it mean to say, Hatoira Mavhira Lonu Sonu? The Torah is making very clear for us and wants us to learn. It's teaching us. In order to reach the level that we refer to as Kedusha, as holiness, you don't have to do unbelievable things. We've just heard the list. You've got to be kind to the elderly. You've got to make sure that you lead a just life and you make sure that justice prevails. That's, that doesn't mean you've done something special. That's not supernatural. You're not a superhero, so it would seem if you do those things. It's not masim muflogim, gavoyim such highs, you know. So you look at a person who does these things, somebody who kept Shabbos, you say, oh my gosh, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Can't believe he kept Shabbos. I can't believe that he's not somebody who tells Loshon Hara. And therefore he must be so holy, he must be so elevated because he's never said Loshon Hara. What are you talking about? Quite ordinary. Somebody who ensures that the things that come out of his mouth are respectful and respectable. And in any event, we see that none of these things are too different from what the rest of the world does. But what the rest of the world considers to be the right thing to do are all the things that are contained in this list. We know what morality is. We know what ethics are. We know what, I mean, of course, Shabbos is a ritual law, but we understand the concept of a day of rest, a day devoted to your faith, a day devoted to your family. We get, we get that idea very much. You don't have to be a superhuman to understand it. This is not a monk in a monastery. It's not a nun in a nunnery. This is a perfectly ordinary thing that people might do. In fact, the opposite is true. What does that mean? Do you know what it is? Do you know how you become a Kodesh? Through the ordinary, trivial stuff of day-to-day -day life. And you're very fussy about these mitzvahs, these particular mitzvahs in the Torah that seem unimportant, that seem trivial, that seem ordinary. Those are the things that are going to propel you to Kodeshim to you. We're not just talking about those things which are uh, mitzvahs between man and man, that the ordinary, let's call it the civil law that one would expect somebody to observe, but the ordinary stuff, not the superhuman stuff. We're talking about the ordinary stuff. And similarly, the ritual mitzvahs, keeping Shabbos, that's like an ordinary mitzvah. It's like a superhuman mitzvah. It's not like they have to spend 10 hours a day davening. Okay, there are people who want to spend 10 hours a day davening or 10 hours a day learning. We're not talking about that. Keep Shabbos once a week. Keep it properly. One day a week you should keep Shabbos. And it could be mitzvahs that you do, that you're proactive in because you've actually done them. Or it could be that you've refrained from doing the wrong thing. You're not somebody who is a roichel. A rochil, that you're not somebody who uh, says Lashon Hara. 
Oh, that's something you refrained from. You stopped yourself from doing that. You see, it's ordinary stuff that you and me can do. Talking about, not talking about Reb Chaim Kanievsky or the Chofetz Chaim. We're talking about Pini Duna. I can do this. I think I can, get, I can get through this and do it properly. I could be a Kodosh. I could be included in the, in the group that's referred to by this instruction of Kodoshim to you. You, you could be someone who takes on the mantle of Kedusha just by doing the ordinary, so-called trivial mitzvahs in the Torah. And we, through this, can fulfill the mitzvah, discharge our duty that's given to us in this week's Parsha in terms of the mitzvah of Kedoshim to you. An incredible Chiddush. That's what the Torah wants to tell you by telling you, Daber el kol adas anybody can do this. This is not something that's just for the few, it's for the many, it's for the majority, it's for all. Let's take a look. If you continue the parsha, it says in the Posuk, it's Perik Chof, Posuk Ches, If you observe my chukos, my statutes, and you do them, do them properly, obviously, Ani Hashem, I, God, Mekadishchem, am the one who sanctifies you. Because you may be wondering, how can I be holy if I just keep Shabbos? Okay, I didn't do any of the malochas. I went to shul, I had kiddush, I had a good shluf. I learned a bit, I went to a shir. How does that make me holy? Do you know why? The Posuk says, Ki ani Hashem, Mekadishchem. I'm the one, leave that to me. That's my problem, says Hashem. Don't you worry about that. Do you think that you need to go into a monastery or convent to become so religious? No, you don't. I'm the one who makes sure that you are holy. It's, it summarizes this directive. You want to understand how you can take on this mantle of Kedusha? How it's possible for you to become somebody who can be enveloped in Kedusha? The Torah is giving you Hadrocha. The Torah is giving you the direction and is telling you at the end of it all, this is the way it's going to work. If you do the things, says the Torah, <coughs> that you're expected to do, that you carry out the mitzvahs, the commandments, the directives, the statutes, the laws that Hashem gives you. You know what's going to happen then? Hashem will take whatever Kedusha He has up there and He's going to bring it and give it to us. It's a gift. Just for doing ordinary stuff. We will suddenly become Kodesh. We will be enveloped. It's a gift from Hashem. It's not something that we can achieve. Of course we can achieve it on our own as well, but it may be too hard for an ordinary person to get to that level. But you can do it. Do you know why? Do the ordinary stuff. All of those things, these are just ordinary things that one would expect anybody to be able to do. And you know what? Anybody can do it. But if you do them because you know the Torah told you to do them, that will be part of the mitzvah of Kedoshim to you. And then you know what's going to happen? Ki ani Hashem Kadishchem. I, Hashem, will make you holy. Kfisha posuk oimer. Aval kain. Beterem onu mekaimim kol mitzvah mea mitzvahis onu mevorchim. And that's why whenever we make a bracha, do you know what we say when we make a bracha? Baruch atah Hashem lekein melech oilam. Asher. Kiddushonu b'mitzvah 
Hashem makes us Kaddosh with his mitzvahs. We have the opportunity of becoming Kaddosh. What, really? Because we shook a luluv, we became holy? Yes, that's what the bracha is telling you. Hashem kiddushonu Do you know why? Ki ani Hashem I'm going to make you, make you holy. We are moida, we acknowledge to Hashem, he gave us the mitzvahs. Through that medium of performing mitzvahs, through the performance of mitzvahs, we can become holy. He is the one who is going to envelop us in his kedusha from up on high and give us the kedusha that we seek, not because we separated ourselves or did something extraordinary with we're superhuman. That's not what's expected of us. Be a good human and you will become Kadosh. And it's not just enough to do these mitzvahs. So let's be clear, says the Mikdash Halevi. In order for the mitzvahs to achieve that objective that we seek out of them, that we should become Kaddosh, we've got to do them properly. It's not good enough just to do them reluctantly. We have to be enthusiastic in our mitzvah observance. It's not good enough just to say, okay, I'm going to do the mitzvah, but I wish I didn't have to do it. Of course you want to do it. You've got to build that into your system that this is a mitzvah I want to do. It's an ordinary thing. I keep Shabbos anyway. I'm not going to be Mechal Shabbos. I'm not going to do anything on Shabbos which is going to upset Hashem. But I should take a thrill out of it. I should get a thrill out of it. I should be able to say Shabbos is coming. I'm so excited. It's such an amazing opportunity. Not just to observe the Shabbos and do what Hashem wants, but I'm going to do it properly. And you know what's going to happen? Ki ani Hashem kadishchem. I will have fulfilled the objective of Kadoshim to you and I will become holy. Why? I have a true desire, want, a will to carry out the word of Hashem to do what he wants and to do it properly. He is our Father in heaven. He is the King of all kings. And it's only when we carry out the mitzvahs as we should. In every one of their details and we want to do it properly. They will achieve their unique ability. This is the unique merit that you're going to obtain as a result of observing the mitzvahs as we should. Um, we will have elevated our spiritual status to a level that's a whole new level. We will now become at the level of Kedusha. We will have achieved that level of sanctification. Which is exactly what we are commanded and expected to do. Let's look at the next piece in the Mikdash HaLevi. Says the Posuk, you should fear your, you should, and, and the word fear is wrong, I think, although there is an element of it that's fear, it's more, the word really is, Tirol means awe, you should have an awe for your parents, not just ordinary respect and of course love, there should be an awe that your parents were chosen by Hashem to be the ones that brought you to the world and for all their flaws and faults and parents have flaws and faults, nevertheless 
these are the ones Hashem chose and you should, you should automatically put them on a pedestal just for that reason alone, which means that you have to, you have, to have this sense of awe when you're in their presence. And it's, it's an amazing instruction and the Mikdash HaLevi is going to bring out a particular nakuda, a particular point. You know, it says in the Aseris HaDibris, the Ten Commandments, in the Decalogue, it says, He loy his kira ki mitzvah zu mufanis el ish. There's no mention there of the word ish, that a man, person, ish doesn't mean a man in the male sense, it means a person. Ish imoi v'oviv tiro, that's what it says when it talks about having awe for your parents, but when it says kabed esavicho v'esimecho, there's no mention there of ish. It doesn't say ish kabed esavicho v'esimecho, it just says kabed esavicho v'esimecho. Elo, kos stam kabed esavicho v'esimecho, lamani arichun yomecho, etc. For this reason, we need to understand, we need to look into, and we need to really uh, get to the bottom of why it is. Why is it when it comes to the mitzvah of moira, of having awe for your parents, why? Why specifically here does it need to say ish? Why didn't you just say, We know we're talking about people. We're not talking about animals. We're not talking about insects. We must be talking about people. So why does it need to add the word ish? Perhaps let's suggest the following answer, says the Mikdash HaLevi. You know what? People tend to get older with children. When we're children, we have a natural sense of awe for our parents. We're fearful of them. We want to make sure we please them. We don't want to make them upset. And if our parent gets upset with us, we're not happy about that. So we have this sense of they are at a higher level than us and we have to have that relationship with them. That makes perfect sense when you're a child. What happens when you get older? When you become what's called a grown-up. What happens then? What's the relationship then? Kvanase ish. You become an ish. You've a baal ba'amov. You've got your own say. You're somebody who's a person in their own right. You're not just the child of somebody else. You're your own person. Do you know what? Even at that point in life, you still have the duty to be a fearful have awe for your parents. You can't say, no, you know what, I'm going to push that away. That's no longer relevant. It was relevant, of course, when I was a child. I totally get that. It's no longer relevant now. That's not the case at all. No, absolutely not. When it comes to Moira, you have to have this hadgosha of ish, of telling you that it applies to you even when you become an adult. Because it's quite normal when a person grows up that they don't have that sense of awe, of being fearful of whatever it is, their parents, how their parents are going to react. You don't have that sense, that idea, the ideal that you need to have that relationship with your parents. Because the truth is, they don't have that hold over you anymore. 
They're not the ones who are feeding you. They're not the ones who are housing you. They're not the ones who can punish you if you do something wrong. They, there's absent, that relationship is gone. You're now your own person. You're a Baal Ba'amov. And that being the case, you might think that you don't have to be someone who fears your parents. But But when it comes to respecting, respecting means showing deference and being respectful of your parents. The truth is you didn't need to focus on that in terms of the word ish to say that someone who's an adult needs to have respect for their parents because that's ordinarily the case. That's the nature of a person. In fact, as you get older, you have more and more respect for your parents. You have that sense of duty towards your parents. You know that. It makes a lot of sense that you need to be your parents. As you get older, you realize that when you're a youngster, you're more of a mechutzef. You want to defy your parents. As you get older, you realize that that doesn't make much sense. The older you get, the more likely you are to have respect for your parents. You recognize the great goodness that they gave you. You recognize that as a young person, they did so much for you. And as you get older, you realize what your parents invested in you and how much you benefited from having them as your parents. However, when it comes to Yir'ah, that's not the case at all, which is why the Posuk says, Ish imoi va'oviv tiro. Another Dvar here, another piece from my grandfather's Sefer from Mikdash HaLevi. A very specific instruction for people who are involved in harvesting their crops. That you must always think at the back of your mind, in fact at the front of your mind, about those who are less fortunate than you. And you must leave the corners of your field for them to gather and harvest. And if through the harvesting process there are sheaves of corn or whatever it is that you drop onto the field, don't go back and pick them up at the end of the day. Those things that dropped off the pile or that you didn't manage to tie up into the bundle, leave them on the ground and let the poor people come and pick them up. That's the appropriate thing to do. That's what the Torah instructs us to do. This is one of the stockers which is mandated, one of the charities that is mandated in the Torah for all those who are involved in agricultural work. They must leave the corner of their fields untouched. They have to sort of round off the corner and similarly, if they drop things during the harvesting, they have to leave those on the field for the poor people. But we really need to explain the language here. If you look at the beginning of the Pasuk, it says, What does that mean? When you harvest the harvest, your harvest. When you are harvesting your harvest. But the end of the Pasuk, it says, so suddenly it goes from the plural, chem, to the singular, cho, in one posuk. Doesn't make sense. If you begin the posuk in the plural, you end the posuk in the plural. If you begin the posuk in the singular, you end it in the singular. But you can't have it both ways. Surely the posuk should have written, be written uniformly, either all in the singular, or alternatively, all in the plural. 
ונראה לא אומר שבמילים אלו מבקש הסתור להעמידנו על נקודה חשובה. As a result of this, says the Mikdash HaLevi, we can infer that the Torah is trying to convey to us a very important, subtle, but very important message. What, what is it that's going through somebody's mind? What is it that goes through, somebody, through somebody's mind when they are, uh, they are doing the katsira, they are doing the harvest? He's going to think to himself, what difference is it going to make if I add a little bit extra, if I'm going to add something a little bit more that's going to give to Aniyim? You know, so they're going to get the corner of my field. Who cares? What difference is it going to make? Why? You know what? There's plenty of other people who are doing the harvest right now. And surely they're going to give. Well, what do I need to give? You know, I can give a bit less, a bit more. It's not going to make any difference. So I may as well just get as much as I can. That would be great because there's no difference whatsoever. Whether I give more or give less, that's not going to make any difference in the big picture. That's not going to make any significant difference. You know, it reminds me of the story in Chelm. They decided one year that they're going to collect the wine for Kiddush. And they know that there's 50 balabatim in the shul, and there's 50 times that they have to make Havdollah and Kiddush. So each person is going to pour the amount of two cups into a barrel, and they're going to go through it for the whole year. And it's going to be 100 measures of wine, and then they're going to have enough wine for the whole year. So anyway, they go to the first fellow and he thinks to himself, you know, they've got all these other 49 people, they're going to pour the two cups of wine into the barrel. I may as well give water. I don't need to give my precious wine. And so they go around to the, every single person in the village and it comes to the end of it. And the first Shabbos of the year, they're about to make Kiddush and they turn the spigot on the barrel. And guess what? It comes out water because every person thought, no, the other one's going to give wine. It doesn't matter if it's a little bit diluted, but they didn't realize that that only works if all the other 49 people are giving wine. But if all 50 people are giving water, then what you end up in the end is with water. If everybody thinks that everybody else is going to give stocker, then in the end, there's not going to be any charitable giving. Because if nobody gives, then no one is going to benefit from the charity that could be given. You know, it's uh, like my Rebbe, Rav Mordecai Elephant used to say, there's only one thing that two Jews can agree upon, and that's what the third one should be giving to charity. We're all busy saying that other people, Yena should give charity, someone else should give the charity, somebody else should give the stocker. Well, what has it got to do with me? I'm fine, there'll be plenty even if I don't give. Says the Posuk, it's such a subtle but such an important message. And that's why the Posuk is absolutely 100% clear in explaining what we're talking about. When you, all of you, are doing the harvest in your field. At a time when all of Klal Yisrael, everybody who's involved in agriculture in Eretz Yisrael is harvesting their land, harvesting the crops on their land. Everybody. Do you know what? And there's going to be many fields which are going to have a proliferation 
or you might think so, a proliferation of matnois aniim, of the gifts that one gives to the poor, whether it's the corner, whether it's the it's the leket that's left behind. Don't think to yourself, when well, I'm okay, let everybody else do it. You don't leave that pa'as sodcha. Don't, don't think that the corner of your field is okay for you because somebody else is going to give the corner of their field and everyone's doing it, so there'll be plenty. Don't you collect up all the leket that's left behind. Uh-uh. Each and every one of you is instructed and directed privately, individually and uniquely. To make sure that his matnois aniyim gets given to the right place. Don't imagine that because there's plenty of other people to give stocker that you are somehow exempted. That's not the case at all. This has got nothing to do with the need of the time, the need of the moment. This collection has got to do with you, that your duty, your obligation is to give. It's nothing to do with the tzorech shal ha'aniyim b'matonazu. It's nothing to do with whether they need what is being given. It's to do with the fact that you are obligated to give. Your duty, your obligation is to make sure as the owner of the field, you must make sure that you leave out those parts of the crop that you are harvesting that are designated for the aniyim. That's your duty. Don't start making cheshboinus. Don't become the great rationalist to say, they don't need my little bits and pieces. What difference does it make? There's plenty of other people giving much more than me. Absolutely not. You are duty bound. You are obligated to give what you need to give. That is your duty. The matnois aniyim are things that fall on you as an individual. Everybody's doing absolutely right. That's exactly the moment when you might think, hmm, I don't need to do it. We need to learn from this an ethical lesson that all of us need to take on board. It's something that every single one of us has to realize. You know what? There's a lot of charitable organizations out there and they're trying to collect to raise money. They're trying to solicit funds from the community and they're in great need of a great amount of money. But they're thinking, you know, you think to yourself, you know, there's a million dollar campaign. What difference does it make if I give my $10 or my $18 or my $1 or my 25 cents? What difference is it going to make for a million dollar campaign? Who cares? No one's going to care. If I don't give, they'll raise the million dollars anyway. They don't need my measly dollar, my $18, or even my $100, because there's somebody out there who's going to give $25,000 or $50,000 or $100,000. So my money doesn't count. The whole of the Jewish nation is giving money. Everybody's giving them. Some people are giving much more than me, and I don't need to give, and it's not important for me. I have no part to play. I've got no role in this charitable campaign. However... The Torah wants to teach us a powerful lesson. I told you it's subtle, but it's incredible, it's meaningful, and it's relevant to you and me. 
This feeling that we may have, this dismissal that we may have, that's absolutely wrong at its very foundation. It's something that is completely and utterly wrong. That's not the way charity works. Our duty, what's expected of us, is not to worry whether or not the campaign is going to raise all the money. It's got nothing to do with it. Our duty is we need to give stock. Hashem expects us to be charitable. He gave us money. What are we doing with our resources? What are we doing to make sure that as much as we can give of ourselves and our resources, our money is given? It's not good enough to say, well, it's okay, the charity campaign will raise all the money anyway, they don't need me. No, your duty is towards the charity and towards your mitzvah. Not to rationalize that it's all going to be okay anyway. The mitzvah of tzedakah is something that is our duty, our obligation. Irrespective of how much money the charitable organization may raise with or without us. It's not relevant. Your dollar, your ten dollars, your fifty dollars, your hundred dollars, and it goes up, by the way. doesn't matter. There's some campaigns which are hundred million dollar campaigns, and you may think that even a larger donation is not going to make a significant difference. Every penny counts. Every dollar counts. Not necessarily to the campaign. That may be true, but it counts for you to do your mitzvah. It counts for you as the bald tzedakah. Hashem expects you to be a bald tzedakah. You have to do what you have to do, irrespective of what's going on in the other fields. You can't have other cheshbonas here. You can't have other rationalizations as to why it is that your charitable donation is insignificant. There's nothing more significant than your charitable donation with respect to your relationship with Hashem. That's what He wants. It comes back full circle to what we said at the beginning. Kadoshim Tiyu. Hashem wants you to be holy. Not holy in terms of by comparison with Reb Chaim Kanievsky, or with the Chovitz Chaim, or with the Bashem Tov, or with the Rambam. That's not how you're being judged. Kadoshim Tiyu. Take the ordinary things, the little things that you do in your life, and those things are going to be holy. Do you know why? Your little stalker, you're keeping Shabbos the way you keep it. You're making sure that your mouth is pure and holy. That's going to mean that I'm going to give you the Shef of Gedusha Mimraimim. I'm going to, says Hashem, going to make sure that you are elevated and become sanctified in the holiest and best way. With that, I'll leave it. Thank you.